Sports. Jacob, you also recently spoke with all three of them, actually, from the iBuy Power Days. So, like, when you spoke with them, and this was on the Eco, which is on every Monday night's a Counter-Strike show that Jacob hosts. When you when you talked to Brax, was that, like, how, how did they treat the subject matter? Like, how do they look back on it now that it's, like, so many years removed? Like, are they at peace with everything? How do they, how do they talk about it? I mean, I still think they're... And to clarify, the three that were on my show were Skadoodle, AZK, and Brax, and Skadoodle himself was actually not banned because he didn't take his share of the skins, uh, in the end of it all. Um, he, he did not take the money from it, uh, from the situation, so he was spared. Um, but when the case of Brax and AZK, like, did feel like they were ashamed to still be talking about it. You know, it is part of their legacy. I think that they, Certainly feel better overall and more at ease now that they have a pro playing career in a different game. I think that, you know, have, knowing Steel and knowing Days, and Days actually just announced, uh, the team captain from that power team just announced that he was going to go pro in Valorant. So that's, that's some news, a news item, I guess, as well. Um, but in the case of, uh, AZK and Brax, it seemed like, you know, they're definitely still ashamed of what happened, but I think overall they're kind of, less uh not less ashamed but more joyful about what their lives are like now that they are signed to an or a 2t1 have a pro playing career in valorant and have a future now something they did not have even a year ago so um big change i think for the both of them and and it seemed like they were all collectively being reunited with skadoodle uh they were kind of looking forward so yeah it, it was an interesting conversation i definitely got a mix of excitement about valorant but also sort of still carrying a little bit on their shoulders of shame the fact of what happened even though it was at this point uh, five and a half years ago yeah no shame for tsm this weekend uh, in the immortals first light event uh, which was really the first time i guess we were able to see top level competition with no content creators involved we have seen tsm in action and uh, to myth's credit we talked about it last week he did terrific in the showing that he was with the uh, the TSM squad and Twitch rivals, but now we were really able to see teams play uh, in against each other the way that we would see them compete in major major tournaments. So Immortals First Light happened, and uh, TSM are your winners. And now we're asking the question, Tyler: uh, Is it is it have we seen? I mean, it's still very early, but have we seen enough to say that TSM are the team to beat, and they are as as we sit right now the best team in NA? Like, if I was making a power rankings right now, if there was an official Fion Fire Valorant North American power rankings, I would, I have to put TSM first. They cleaned up this weekend. They won the DTS 10K Invitational. They won the Myrtle's First Light Tournament. They won the CLG Blitz Cup Tournament. The only tournament they didn't win in this last, you know, string of days was the Pittsburgh Knights Invitational Tournament Series, where they actually fell, like, weirdly. Like, they even make the finals, not even semifinals. They, they lost to Together We Are Terrific, which is a very good amateur team, and another amateur team in uh, China Win. Uh, one of your favorite teams, Ardo, uh, Som leading that squad. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, Som, you know, popping off maybe, you know, a, one of the, you know, players or people are looking at right now to sign to a uh, tier one organization. There's a lot of, you know, murmurings about he's he could be picked up very soon. What, what do you think is taking so long with Som? It, 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 I think it's the thing that the, a lot of these teams very much want Counter-Strike pros. 
uh, highly like pro switching over from Counter Strike. So some he was very good in Counter Strike. I believe he was global elite, but he's obviously he's known for his Fortnite background. So he has less. He has to prove himself somewhat, right? Where he has to go into these trials. He's been trialed by various teams. But I do think he's performed so well in almost every single tournament he's played in that he should either China win should be picked up as a five stack and go to a tier one organization, or Som himself should be picked up and placed on one of these building orgs who are building out their team, like a hundred thieves, maybe a. Uh, someone else's team there's there's rumors of you know phase i know rng's out there team liquid so there's teams possibly that could pick up psalm and build a team around him but i do think psalm was a player everyone should be watching out for but for tsm themselves yes we should call them number one for now the only argument would be t1 t1's only played one tournament they won that tournament but it was twitch rivals it was a semi-serious tournament where tsm was in the final but with myth Hayes is the shot caller for TSM, and they're much better of Hayes in the lineup. So I really do want to see the TSM-T1 matchup. We will hopefully see that next weekend at the T1 yep. Ignition Invitational, the pretty much the first big major uh, Valorant tournament with pro teams involved. So that's what I'm circling. I want that T1-TSM matchup. That is the final or the, the series that everyone wants to see. Yeah, I, I would say that, like, until we see T1 play more, I don't want to make the decisive call that TSM's the best team. I th- I think, I mean, from a raw skill perspective, I think everyone, there are some arguments here and there that you can make in favor of some of the players on TSM, like Wardell, but I, I generally think across the board from a raw skill perspective that the, the T1 team is better than the TSM team, and we just haven't seen enough of them play in, in real tournaments, which is uh, exciting, like with the Ignition series and everything else. I... I Hope, uh, with, I, I hope TSM is in this, this T1 event. I would imagine they are. And I hope that they get to, uh, I hope they get to play actual T1 team as well, uh, presumably, because I think that that's sort of the barometer I'm looking for and we haven't seen that yet. So I'm, I am, uh, not so quick to call TSM the best team in North America yet, uh, without seeing them play against, uh, T1. One thing about TSM that I really like, and uh, my kind of my final thoughts on TSM is, I do think out of all the teams I've seen, they are the ones. I think them and Fish One Two Three are the teams that most recognize their identity. They have found their identity. Where there is a three-head monster on attack. They have Drone, who plays Phoenix. He's the Phoenix main, best Phoenix in the world. He plays Phoenix all the time. He makes it work where other players are playing other duelists. He's the best Phoenix in the world. Please watch him if you are aspiring Phoenix. He's amazing. You have Vordell, obviously, the the hard carry of the team on his jet, on his Sova, and you have Subroso. Those three players on any given game, those guys, you could expect a 30 bomb from one of them. Most likely Wardell, but Drone and Subroso both have their games where they'll just pop off. And then you have Hayes and Cutler on the Sage and Cypher, where they're not going to put up the 20 kills you know, regularly. They'll they'll have a 20-kill game here or there, but those two are kind of the anchors. They're the veterans. They know their roles, and they're amazing. And when it comes down to it, they're the cleanup crew. They are very much playing that sentinel role. They're playing the lurker. They're playing, you know, Sage as a defensive character, and it works. They Everyone on this team knows their role, and that's something that I can't say about a lot of teams currently in Valent, where I still think teams are figuring out their identity. Like, I still think T1 mechanically might be better than TSM, but TSM definitely has the chemistry and the coordination and definitely the identity of what they want to do each and every single game that makes them my number one team right now. 
So shout out to TSM. Subroza had a great tournament, particularly in the final. Uh, I have said this on Twitter. Wardell's my favorite player to watch yes. right now. I just think he's he's very creative. Yeah. Like there was one play where he was on a box on a. He was covered in like the the opposing brimstone didn't know that he covered Wardell in smoke as a sova, and he was using his abilities to basically herd three or four of the opponents into the same spot so he could shock dart them. And then you know he almost got a four, he almost got a four K back to back to back to back just from his like herding skills. It was incredible. I, th- I thought that he did a great job with the drone and or the shock darts, the drone, and then uh, the uh, the uh, the recon, and then shooting. Like and he shot within the smokes, which is incredible. A uh, little bit great. of yeah. amazing. And and you've called him the best uh, op player out there right now. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. I, I think. Out. I mean, I, I, I think it's between it's two between two players between two players right now. We'll see. We'll see how Skadoodle does. Right, Skadoodle's still getting used to the team. I still think T. I mean, Brax is amazing on the operator. A lot of the T one players can play the operator, and I think that's more of the identity thing. Right. We'll see as games and series go along, and as those five learn their identities on the team, who really becomes the main number one operator on the team. But right now, in NA, it's either Tens or it's Wardell. And this weekend, Wardell did get the W, but that might more be because of the team around Wardell, and less so around the team around Tens. So we can get into that like right now, I believe. Yeah, we will in a second. Uh, I do have some capital J journalism to report here. Mm. Um, I did send a DM to Wardell, um, as we all know, uh, there is a meme whenever he's playing in Twitch chat. Uh, people spam the just letting everybody know that Wardell is outside his Scarborough home in a Mercedes AMG class vehicle. And I have gotten confirmation from a source that this is a Drake song called Time Flies uh, that Wardell allegedly is not able to use on his stream oh. in fear of a uh, DMCA, DMCA <laughs> claim. <laughs> so, Feels bad. Feels bad. So this is this is all uh, according to sources, mm. uh, and I, I will try to double check that for oh. you. May might may not have been Wardell. Okay, so let's talk about Tens and Friends. Uh, mm. Tens is great. What He's amazing. Fr- what about Friends? Uh. The some of the friends are good. Some of the friends, some of the friends are good. Uh, I don't want to say all the friends are bad, but I do want to say the first match they had versus Mixup, and I had Mixup as the eighth team going into the main tournament of first uh, first light. And after the tournament was all over, I saw many comments comparing uh, tens to LeBron James on the Cavaliers, the the bad Cavaliers days. I saw one person wow. call him Latenz James. I think Latenz oh, James <laughs> really does signify kind of, at least in this tournament. In That's this good. tournament, he was Latenz James, where he was putting up, he was putting up a 40 bomb. A 40 bomb versus mix-up. He had, he had a combat score of a 480. 480. A 400 game, you are out of your mind. A 480 is almost unheard of. Especially in, that's, that's like a, that's like a, a mortal player playing against Arda. That is ridiculous. <laughs> oh, that so is. Lose. Yeah, it. Uh, <laughs> I, I. I think looking at the C nine or the possible C nine roster, right? I do want to update that the 
So they had the Tens and Friends, the possible C9 roster. The one person that wasn't there was Infinite. And from what I've heard from some sources, not Wardell, like artist source, but actual <laughs> sources, that Infinite apparently has just quit Valorant. He, he just was like, I want to go play CSGO. I like CSGO better. Peace out. So it does, it, I, I believe Infinite just kind of left them on short notice. And they had to put Vice in the lineup on very, very short notice. So they had two days of practice with Vice. So that's one of the reasons why they look so shaky. But they did. it's really hard, right? Because you're looking at TSM, you're looking at T, uh, T1, and then you have Tens, Latens, James. And you're like, if you could just put some good, if you got a Corey in there, right, or a Psalm right next to Latens, James, then maybe you can have a championship roster. But Tens can't do it all, right? This game isn't. You can carry a far away in Valorant, but I don't think Latenz James is going to grab you know any major championship if he doesn't have a more solid roster around him. Jacob, you hear anything about uh, Latenz James getting some backup here? Maybe a Kevin Love here or there? Maybe uh, maybe a, a, a other players? I mean, there was a lot of talk around Corey and Cloud9, from my understanding, but I haven't heard anything new on that in a couple weeks, so I'm sort of curious what will shake out. I will say, like, I hope that Relics figures this out, because he's someone that, like, I dealt with a lot in Counter-Strike, and he's, like, genuinely a nice dude, and a, and I think has some potential as a player as well. He didn't Counter-Strike, and he, he never really could achieve, uh, I think, what he was after. But, I mean, yeah, I think to Tyler's point, if you look at someone like Corey, that makes a lot of sense, and I, like... I don't know. It, it, I, I'm very confused as to why, like, Cloud9 sort of just, like, barely stepping their toe in it. I think that they're... This is spec informed speculation. Uh, I, I will say that. But I I think, based off a conversation I had, uh, an interview I had with Monte Cristo a few days ago, now the commissioner of Flashpoint and uh, vice president of Brand at B-Site, Seemed, he seemed very gung-ho that they would like to, that, that organization, B-Site, would like to put together some sort of Valorant tournament. Um, that, that he was very personally interested and they as a business were interested in doing so. If B-Site were to get a, uh, license to run a Valorant tournament, especially in the admission series, I don't see a world where every team in there doesn't adopt a permanent, every partner team doesn't adopt a Valorant uh, squad, and so that'd be like Team Envy, that'd be Mad Lions, that would be uh, Immortals already has there, so it'd yeah. be like Cloud Nine. Yeah, it'd be Fun Plus Phoenix. Um, just sort of they, the entire list of people in there. Um, but I've been a little bit as confused as to why Cloud Nine has not really made an official jump, other than Tins, because um, there are some players out there, but. I don't know, right? Like, there's only just so many players that are worth worth your investment um, and sort of taking the flyer on, right? Like, Sentinels hasn't done as well as I think a lot of us may have thought they would have, and they, they made some real big flyers in, in this scene. So um, I don't know if Cloud9's waiting to take sort of the more developmental approach and find younger people and sort of build them up or if they want to go out and be big spenders, but they've been very slow about it as of right now. Imagine uh, <laughs> Latenz James brings in Corey and some just like LeBron and Chris yeah. Bosh and Dwayne oh, Wade, yeah. and the three of them take their talents to C9. And That'd be great. Sudden... They'd be very strong. <laughs> and I, I do think about this C9 roster is I, like, I, I don't want to, I don't want to just thrash the entire team too. Uh, uh, you know, they did play very well. Like Mitch had some games 
uh, uh, Shinobi is the shot caller, right? So you're not expecting him to put up amazing numbers. Vice had a lot of rough, uh, rough moments on Cypher. He had a few clutch moments, but mostly a rough day. So I do think it's maybe, I don't think they have to overhaul the entire roster. I do think Vice maybe, you know, they do give him some more time, give him some more trial practice. But I do think they still need that secondary impact player next to tens. That can, like, TSM, you look at TSM, You, I just said, they have the three-headed monster of Wardell, Sabrosa, and Drone. If Wardell's not having the best, <clears throat> if Wardell's not having the best game, you have Sabrosa and Drone to fall back on. If you're T1, Brack is obviously the main carry. He's the guy. He's the ace of the team. But if he's not doing well, look at, you. I mean, you have AZK, you have Skadoodle, yeah. even, you know, Crashies and Food. They, mm. they can all put up amazing, you know, numbers. And then you look at C9, and you're like, they, they, Latin James deserves to be up there with the Wardells and Braxes skill wise. I think those three are probably the best right now in North America, but you need that set, you need that consistent number two player on the team. I don't know if it's Mitch. I don't know if it's anyone else on the team, but if you got a Corey or a Psalm that could slide right next to Latin James and play off him and be there when, you know, Tens isn't, you know, finding all the shots, then C9 is a team that T1 and TSM have to watch out for. Well, we're going to definitely uh, keep track of future tournaments. We're going to talk about the Ignition series in a little bit. But how about Ninja? Ninja's uh, entering hmm. some Valorant tournaments. He played in the Trovo Challenge uh, this past weekend. Uh, didn't have the absolute best showing, or him and his team, I should say. not just semifinals! Yeah, they had, they had a great showing up until the semifinals. But to be fair, though, to be fair... Uh, that wasn't all Ninja's fault. And Ninja has been playing this game a lot, and it looks like he's very passionate about it. But I guess the question is there. I mean, Ninja is somebody who doesn't need Valorant. Ninja was somebody who was in the closed alpha, Jacob, right? Like, he was somebody who's been following this since the very beginning. How far do you think he takes it? I mean, we've talked about this a little bit with our chat in previous shows about Shroud also. I think the same applies to Ninja. Like, he, I wouldn't be surprised if him and some buddies enter some of these Ignition Series big tournaments, right? But, like, at the end of the day, he's just going to continue to be a streamer. He's got a contract with Mixer that has, like, certain requirements, but, like, dude makes significant money. And and, and also, like, he's not... Here's the thing, and this, is, this applies to Ninja and Fortnite, too. Ninja is good enough to be entertaining. Ninja is not good enough to be pro. That, that's my general thought on what he was in Fortnite. That's probably how he's going to be in Valorant, too, right? Like, he can compete, but he's not going to be good enough to be on a top team, ever, right? Like, he hasn't been a competitive player in anything since Halo. It's been a while, he, like, and he's made his name as an influencer. And I think at this point, right, like, he has a big enough of a fan base. I also just think he's kind of reached his peak in, in a way in popularity, right, which is, like, super high. I think that there will be still tons of companies that that want to cash in on the Ninja Train and continue to pay him endorsement deals that are massive. But in terms of, like, you know, last summer and sort of last spring, like, that was peak Ninja, right? Like, into 2018, beginning of 2019, like, he was everything in in gaming relative to, like, pop culture and the industry. I don't think he's ever going to be any bigger than he is now at this point. But, like, where he's at right now, he's a millionaire, and he's got the giant mixer deal, right, that... That doesn't pressure him to stream nearly as much as, as his uh, dealings with Twitch. He's Red Bull athlete, everything, right? But there's no incentive for him to take this any more seriously than he wants to. So in terms of, like, 
playing in tournaments and having fun with it, sure, but I and, and I'm sure he legitimately does have fun with it, but like he has such a huge fan base, it doesn't matter what he streams. He could go stream Civilization tomorrow and have how many ever probably basically have all of Mixer's website because nobody actually goes to that website other than people that watch Ninja and Shroud. Um but nonetheless, you know, like he could have he can have the audience that he has no matter what he plays. If he's having fun with Valorant, more power to him. But there's literally no incentive for him to be anything more than what he is right now in Valorant. So that that's my thought. I, I give him credit, Tyler, though. I mean, at the end of the day, the other Tyler that we're talking about here, like, he doesn't have to do this. He's doing it out of love. And I appreciate yeah. that very yeah. much because he's yeah. a made man. He's He has enough in the bank for future like several future generations. And I, I do think, though, I do think that even though the pandemic might have slowed things down, I don't think we've seen the apex of Ninja as a celebrity just yet. I think that there were certain things that were going to happen in 2020 had the pandemic not hit that would have been very good for his brand. You know, he had that movie, uh, what was it, the the Ryan Reynolds thing that was on the horizon. He also had a couple of, like, uh, brand deals, and that probably would have been a little bit bigger if it was not clouded in 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 all the news that is happening right so i do think that once we get a sense of normalcy back and whenever that might be i think ninja will then continue to to build his brand and really resume as an a-list celebrity somehow i mean i don't think he's gonna fall off the face of the map tomorrow that's not my point i'm just saying like we i think he will continue to be like we've seen with so many other people uh the the, everybody in phase and nade shot and all those guys like they are what they are, and they're going to continue to be popular, but, like, at one point they hit the peak of their celebrity, and they're going to continue to be incredibly relevant in the gaming sphere, but, like, it's kind of hard to go up from where they were, right? And that's kind of how I feel about Ninja, is, like, he hit such a high peak that it's just, like, at, at this point, like, he's kind of just, like, can, he's going to continue to be an A-list celebrity, but he's going to kind of coast on that. And I feel like, uh, you know, I, like, we've, we see this more generally i think i think that the way influencer culture works uh particularly with streamers is there's always someone new um you know dr disrespect and shroud and everything else that's come after ninja um i think there will continue to be people but there's literally zero incentive for him to do anything more than he wants to do so i'm I'm not like i'm not like slapping him around and like trying to critique him not at all i i just think like there's literally no incentive for him to be a Valorant pro, and so I don't think that's what he's after i think he's just legitimately having fun and if he wants to do that yeah more power to him it's not that's that would that's anyone who thinks that's outlandish. I just think he's a very competitive dude who mm-hmm. really loves video games, and he's now on a contract with Mixer where he's not beholden to a single game. Like if this was Twitch days, there is no way in hell, and I will repeat that, no way in hell, Ninja on a day of season three Fortnite release where everyone in the world is playing the game, millions are playing it. No way in hell is Ninja playing in a Valorant tournament on that day. Mm-hmm. There, there's no Very way, because he, he, he would lose million, He would literally lose millions of dollars that day. Yep. 12-year-olds would be revolting. They would be, they would be so mad. They'd be unsubbing like crazy, being like, I hate Ninja, he's the worst, he let us down, I want to see the water park, give me the water park, I don't want to watch Valorant. But now because he has that freedom, park. but now because he has that freedom, 
Now that he's got freedom, he's a very competitive dude. He's found a game he enjoys, a game that he's not amazing at, but he's very good at. He's, I, I believe he peaked at, like, Immortal 3. Like, he was pretty close to Valorant from what I, be- I remember. He was playing with Hiko. He played a lot of Hiko, a lot of the top pre- players. I think that drives him. This is Valorant is not like Fortnite, where Fortnite is a lot of RNG. You can yeah. RNG your way to a victory. Valorant is a game where you need to grind, and you need a team, and when you... Suck at, like, even when you're very good and you play someone who's amazing, you feel like you suck. And Ninja, as he explained many times on social media, he does not like losing. Losing a game is not, he wants to learn and get better at a game. He's not gonna just take a loss and be like, alright, I guess Hiko's way better than me, I guess, you know, Wardell's way better than me, I just am not that good, I'm gonna be an entertainer and make millions of dollars. I think it actually is, it motivates him, similar to Myth, where they wanna be good at this game, they want respect to be, you know, really good gamers in this new type of FPS game that, you know, neither of them are really familiar with, and I think it motivates them to be better. And their team, while not, they're not, they're not TSM, they got destroyed by TSM, they're not any of these top pro teams, but as an amateur team, with a few days of practice, they're actually, I would say, really good, and I'm actually excited to see them in upcoming tournaments, because that I don't see an upset of TSM coming anytime soon. But if they're in the ignition tournament, I mean, I think it's a fair a fair bet that Ninja will be in the T1 tournament, A, because he's a big name, and B, because he's with Sony, who's also a big content creator on T1. And they've proven themselves, again, in this tournament by making the semifinals that it just seems like a, an easy slam dunk for T1 to put them in. If they're in that tournament, I'm excited to see them play. I want to see them versus Immortals. I want to see them versus Latin James. Like, they're not going to beat TSM, but I do think with more practice, they could be respectable in defeat versus these big teams. And I know Ninja, Ninja is going to get beaten by these teams, and he's going to want to practice more and more and more, because if he's shown that he's, you know, under these players, he's he's not going to take losing, you know, lightly. He's said this many times on social media. Yes, he has. Yes, he has. He's very serious about it, and that's what I like. That's what I admire about it. Yeah, to Tower's point about uh, him not being on Twitch, that, that's everything, right? Like, the fact that, like, uh, Twitch is such a big platform that, like, him leaving is was a big deal, but it also wasn't. And the fact that they're just going to find somebody else to replace him, and they have, and Lupo and Disrespect and others, right, who are still on that platform that, that have sort of risen up and bit, become the face of the platform. Like, the, the overall, like, generally his deal with Microsoft doesn't ebb and flow based off viewer hours, so he can do whatever he wants to do, right? Like, or, or viewer numbers, right? Like, he's got a flat deal with Microsoft that incentivizes him to partner with them both for Mixer and Xbox and all sorts of stuff, and, like, dude gets paid no matter what. So, like, more power to him. Go have fun. Let's rapid-fire through a couple of news and notes that happened this past week. Tyler, you did an interview with Mixwell, mm-hmm. uh, who just signed with G2. That's up now at YouTube.com slash ESPN Esports. He was basically one of the last remaining, like, tippy-top, of the mountain free agents, I guess, quote unquote, players or unsigned to a major org, I should say. Uh, what what do you make of this signing for G2? And also, what do you think G2's approach will be to filling the rest of the roster? It's a, it's a classic Carlos move, right? When the rest of Europe is kind of tiptoeing around Mixwell, you know, North American teams are asking about him, maybe to get him over, even with the COVID stuff. You know, there was a lot of interest in Mitchell. Like, there was not, it wasn't like a two-horse race or a three-horse race. This was like 10 teams. This was a lot of teams with a lot of interest in him. And Carlos, 
the showman, the, the person who cannot be upstaged by anyone, he gets the big signing of Mixwell. <laughs> the Span- and also he's Spanish, right? Where G2 is, you know, Carlos is Spanish. He has a lot of Spanish roots. It's a big signing. The Spanish fans love Mixwell. It's a very easy transition. And I think he's a good face for the team. I do think he's one of the better players in Europe, and I do one of the smarter players currently in Valorant. He's one of the only players who can make Viper work, so kudos to him. If you can make Viper work strategically in pro play and beat teams of a high caliber of Viper, then you must be one of the smartest players because no one in NA is using her. So it's a really good starting block, right? It's very similar to 10 and C9. And T1 of Brax and, you know, uh, Awardell or Subrosa for TSM. He's a very good core piece. He is that star player that you now want to build around with a few other star players, a shot caller, you know, some supportive players. It's a great starting block, and now if they can build it out, I think G2 already has a huge lead in Europe, aside from a team if they pick up Fish 1-2-3, right? It's going to be the Mixwell team of G2, and then whoever picks up Fish 1-2-3 of, you know, the numerous orgs who are building teams in Europe. Yeah, I think... uh there was an existing relationship here. Mixwell had played Counter-Strike for T2 at one point also, so, like, this is not terribly surprising that this is where he ends back up. And, like, to answer your other part of that question, Arda, who did they pick up from here? Like, Scream, hello, right? Like, also has been on G2 before as Counter-Strike player, so it makes a lot of sense for him to potentially come back. He's been playing with Mixwell. They seem pretty well together, or seem pretty good together. And then from there, I think you have a little bit more flexibility. I know we're going to talk a little bit about the... Uh, allegations of uh, cheating and match fixing against artists uh, who was supposedly going to sign with this team. But nonetheless, yeah, like I think that uh, from here you can kind of, once you, if you walk down Mixwell and Scream, you can kind of build a little bit and interchange around those guys. It's crazy to think that we are so young into the scene and we already have an allegation like this uh, yeah. <laughs> as we, as we talk about this with the artist drama, of course, uh, uh, had been playing with fish one, two, three uh, and, now he has allegations made against him uh, of match fixing. He has released a twit longer statement. Uh, Tyler, just catch us up on some of the details and your thoughts on on these allegations. Uh, quick, I believe it was Gone Doc. He made a medium post. He he does he 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 does a lot of work behind the scenes trying to find cheaters in the games, getting tips, and he made a a, a pretty extensive uh, article about artists. The Probably I, I, a lot of people I've talked to says the number one operator player in Europe, uh, kind of the the ace carry of Fish One Two Three. He left the team. He was kind of a free agent, bouncing back and forth. Finally, Do we know why up. he left the team. Uh, yeah, I believe. I mean, it, I, I mean, in the article of the Gone Dog article, it does say he was believed to be on the way to G Two, which would not be surprising, right? Okay. Where you have Mixwell. Get artist the best operator, then you add Scream to the mix, and those three is a that's a three headed monster right there. So artist was was alleged to have uh, not only been talking about match fixing and cheating and uh, buying uh, buying cheats to to implement, and he did come out and he did defend his statements very well. I would may add, like he did give some really good proof, and now we're kind of at a standstill, right? Where artist defended himself really well. Uh, he's playing in the G2 Ignition Tournament, which I would say is a very good sign for his future hopes of being on G2, that he was invited to this tournament. Uh, so at the at the current point, no further proof has been uh, brought forth to counter-argument his uh, defense of himself. So right now, I, I would say he's 
in the clear. I do think teams can reach out to him. I believe, I mean, if G2 has signed him, I don't think there's going to be an uproar about how, oh, man, they signed a, a, a cheater. Get the cheater out of here. We'll wait to see if there's more information that comes out. But I think right now he's greenlit to, you know, continue on being a pro. But it does show that this this scene has a lot of redemption, right? There's a lot of people, like, he has a shady past. That's one of the reasons why it was so quick mm-hmm. for people to be like, get artists out of here, get artists out of here. Mm-hmm. This Valorant is a lot about redemption. I mean, I, talk, I, mean, I did the Brack story. Him and AZK, like, the redemption. I mean, Ziff from Fortnite, now one of the best amateur players in Valorant for North America. Now you have artists. There's a lot of redemption stories, so you are going to see these kind of allegations pop up, and when they do against players who are trying to redeem themselves, they're going to have to defend themselves very, very well, because you get a second chance. These players, A lot of these players are getting second chances at their career, and if they screw up in even a tiny way, they're not going to get a third chance. I, I, th- I think, I just want to say to this point, right, like, I think that I'd be surprised if Riot's not looking into this after yeah. after that article, um, and I don't think that we'll see artists get signed until Riot clears them. Yeah. And as yeah. I, as far as I know, that has not yet happened. So I, I would be stunned uh, if we didn't, uh, I'll say, like, we'll see a post if something actually did happen, I'm sure, and we'll see nothing if it didn't. So that, uh, it, but I don't, I don't think we're to that point yet. Hopefully the appropriate, yeah. You're signing, right? It'll either be right. like welcome artist to G2 or another European organization, or it'll be we have found artists to be guilty of, you know, this is this and this, and he will be suspended or banned from the game. One of the two things will happen. We're not going to hear like, oh, he's cleared by Riot. It's either going to be a team announcement or it's going to be a Riot notice. Right mm-hmm. now, I, I tend to believe that it'll just be announced to be on G2 because I do think the artist Mixwell duo, and if you add Scream to that, is... That's scary. That's the scariest thing you could probably build right now in Europe. So I kind of, as, as the fan who wants to see the best teams possible, I, I kind of want that to happen. But if he has cheated and Riot can figure it out and they do find claims that he has been looking into, you know, buying cheats and, and everything around that, then, of course, like a game that is priding itself on its, you know, anti-cheat system, they need to snuff that out before even the esports team can start. So speaking of the esports scene, Riot has announced the Ignition series, which mm. is basically a soft launch to what will be an official. This is an official ecosystem, but it is a budding one. This is sort of a mm-hmm. uh, almost like a preamble to the major esports uh, offering yeah. from Riot that we will or are anticipating uh, in the future. So in terms of the June schedule, we have on June nineteenth to twenty first. Uh, we have a G2 Esports Valorant Invitational, uh, which is presented by Red Bull, uh, which is basically going to be uh, a mixture in a way, st- similar yeah. to True Tribals, like having some streamers, having some players. Uh, but it is going to be fun, I guess. Uh, it's going to be fun. Yeah. I mean, look, 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 I, uh, look yeah. I think we all prefer seeing a team of pros compete against a team of pros. But to be fair, with G2 involved... It'll be entertaining. At least I, a little I, well. I like some of the the players in this uh, event too. I obviously Mixwell's noted, but like Existence and and Draken, also two former top Counter Strike guys in Europe as well. Once upon a time, um, on good teams uh, like Fnatic and G two actually. Uh, in the case of Existence, so yeah, like this is this is exciting. I think that um, there, yeah, like I think many people in Valorant, I. I feel probably aren't as familiar with European Counter-Strike, especially in the 
sort of tier three, tier four, where these types of people have been playing more or less uh, lately. But yeah, there are some good names in here. I, I'm excited. I actually like that uh, the uh, Ezoc team uh, because I talked about Lothar previously about Twitch rivals. Like he's a really fun guy to watch. He was a top Hearthstone guy. Then he, he got into Gwent, obviously again, but never took off. And he was really good at that as well. And then like been watching him play Valorant, and he's actually not bad. Uh, more streamer than he is, uh, and he also works at G2, but more streamer than he is uh, a pro player. But there are some players in here that are fun to watch, in my opinion. Why Why are you not so excited, Tyler? It's, it's kind of, I think it's influencer in, 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 uh, fatigue, right? I feel like we've watched a lot of these players play in the very same tournament over and over again. I mean, I talked to Mixwell today, and Mixwell, I asked him, the prodigy, you know, prodigy. You know, when you talk about, like, ELO rankings and who's the best Valorant team in Europe and who's the most talented, people say prodigy. They're they're the pride of Europe, along with Fish123. And Mixwell was just like, oh, yeah. Like we have a what's up? We're in we're in a we're in a group chat together, and then Jerome, our manager, basically says, "Okay, uh, who wants to play today in a tournament?" And then five of us say, uh, "I guess we'll play." And then they'll jump online, play the games, finish, go home, and then just not think of it again. They never practice like like that. The scene of like it's so different than the NA scene that are practicing daily. Like Hiko's even practicing, and he doesn't even have a a, a fulfilled signed five stack yet, right? Mm. And Mixwell wants that. Mixwell wants a five, you know, Mixwell wants Fnatic and Excel and Mad Lions and all these bigger orgs to sign teams so he can have scrim partners and have actual practice. And right now it feels like we're just kind of meandering about being like, okay, we're going to have another influencer tournament. Yay. And then it just, it feels, it, it feels a little bit of a letdown, right? When we're talking about the T1 tournament, right? Where we'll have Sentinels and TSM and, and Gen G and Cloud Nine, and you know there will be a Ninja team, but you know Ninja's team has practiced together, like which is a far difference than a lot of the European teams that have been putting together, especially in this tournament, which is all thrown together. So I just want more competition because I want to know the strength. Like it's it's easier to put a power level on NA right now because there's confirmed teams that've been playing together, scrimming together, playing in these weekend tournaments. We're in Europe, it's a lot of rotating pieces. We're still trying to figure out what's going on. You know, the second best team in the region is literally just a, a pub team that's just having fun. So Europe really needs some structure. And I think G2 will be the first domino for many more to fall. But I'm just, ah, oh, another influencer tournament. It'll be exciting to see Carlos get beat up by Mixel in the group stage. That'll be funny. <laughs> Carlos will probably go 0-20. It'll be a very hilarious, you know, thing to see. But I just want I just want a more... I, I, when I heard of the Ignition series, I was like, yes. Every weekend, we're going to get some major tournaments, some great play from Japan, Korea, China. No, not China, because they still don't have the game. But all the major regions are going to have these Soon big enough. tournaments. Soon enough. All these tournaments are going to have big tournaments. And then the first Ignition tournament is a for fun, like, influencer, randomized okay. tournament. But, like you said, maybe we just don't have the ecosystem yet yeah. in Europe to be able to have well, this. You have to you have to look at what you're dealing with, right? Like G two is an exception to the rule. They are not the rule when it comes to European esports. G two are like funded by people like Joseph Sai, who is one of the richest men in the world, one of the co founders of Alibaba yeah. and owns the Brooklyn Nets. Like the money they can play with versus the money that like <laughs> Fnatic and Excel and all these other like European esports orgs have to play, like G2's pockets are way deeper, so that's why they can throw things like this event. That's why they can sign big players to big contracts, right? Like 
this is why they are part of the reason they've been so successful is because they like they started off as Spain and then they expanded into Germany and then they became like the pride of Europe and now they're like expanding to North America. That's all related to like how they want to fund their team and how they want to build out the ability to be one of the most dominant organizations in all of esports. It, we've seen T1 do this with, with South Korea, right? Like in terms of partnering with Spectacore and expanding their portfolio outside of South Korea to include other things. I think more generally, like European investors have always been slow uh, because. Yeah. You know, they, they don't, they don't want to, they don't get FOMO as much as a lot of the North American people do that want to go sign everything under the sun. You know, even like really terrible tier three, tier four Counter-Strike players to contracts, right? Like, this is very typical. I'm not surprised by this at all. Uh, well, there is another tournament happening in Japan this weekend, Tyler. Let more me serious. Read, yeah, yeah, Way it's, more serious. It's called the Rage uh, Cross Ignition. Japan's biggest eSport event, Rage, will be hosting yeah. the first officially licensed Valorant tournament in Japan under the Valorant Ignition Series brand. The tournament will invite 16 teams with established reputation yeah. in gameplay and popularity like Detonation Gaming and Jupiter, and they will be competing for the winner-take-all prize of 500,000 yen. I'm not sure what that is in U.S. dollars. I believe. $5,000? Which is not, it doesn't sound like a lot, but, I mean, it's it's Japanese esports, right? It's, it's that's where, you know... It's, that's what yeah. you wanted, right? I mean, that's Daigo, I remember. Win, yeah, Daigo used to win, like, quarters for winning tournaments in Japan. I mean, so yeah, it's, it's a big step up. To be, to and, be and clear, now remember... he's winning Valorant tournaments in your, yeah. uh, in your dream team. Yeah. Remember, J- J- Japan has Japan has a, a really. I'm surprised to see any prize money because Japan has actually has a really terrible stigma with esports that right. it's gambling. Yes. So yes. you have to like su- surprise we got anything at this point to be honest. So let's let's end on this. Just the uh, the structure of the ignition series in general and how organizations or tournament organizers will work in tandem with Riot to put on these events. Uh, is 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 a very interesting process for both Riot and for Org. What do we make of this arrangement and and the Ignition series and how it's laid out, Jacob? I mean, I feel like this the, the writing was kind of on the wall, right? Like it's like you can be a part of our, our our ecosystem is open, but we pick who who's here. And I think that that's it's a little bit more uh, selective than like Valve's ecosystem with Counter Strike. In a way, it's not, right? Like, it's just like Valve goes through a rigorous selection process to host a major and now to host an RMR event, right, for Counter-Strike. And, like, it feels like Riot's just doing that for every event rather than just the big ones, right? So, like, I'm, I'm not surprised. Like, they, you know, I would expect uh, nothing less from Riot. Uh, they have a huge reputation at stake in this game. So, like, you know, obviously they want to be really selective and not just give a license to, you know, random org number three with some money over there in the, in the corner, right? Like they actually really want to take this very seriously. So I'm, I'm not surprised at all at the fact that they're being selective and who they partner with. And the, the first two people hosting ignition series events are Riot partners in other things. And, you know, like T1 seems like a shoe in for LCK franchising, right? Like, and they've been around the scene for a really long time. G2 is a partner in the LEC. These are people that Riot are incredibly familiar with. They're not just licensing to, to a random group. I, I am more excited to see when they start dealing with people in Counter-Strike who are not involved in League of Legends, which seems like it will come. Um, but, you know, that, that's sort of what I'm waiting for. Looking at the current, current, you no, know, 
seem as it is in the upcoming tournaments. I like the structure. I like the system. And I do believe, while well, I've been watching a lot of tournaments. I've been watching a lot of Valorant. I don't know if there's anyone in the world who's watched more Valorant tournaments than I have. I've been watching random $500 cups on Twitch just so I can see if there's a good amateur player. And it does seem like, I feel like the, the limit for to not go through Riot seems to be 10k. Because there's a lot of 10k term. If you if you look at the, the current like prize pools of a lot of tournaments, it does seem like 10k is kind of the limit. And then after 10k of a prize pool, you kind of probably have to go through right because I, I teased big tournaments were coming like a month ago, like right? before the full release date, before the end of the beta, and there were there were big talks of like big money Valorant tournaments, and they weren't approved by Riot. Like Riot, I believe I was uh, I have to guess was like we have our ignition tournament coming up, we want to save these big events for them. We don't want to have it have in beta, so they've been pushed off until if they can strike a deal like a Flashpoint or ESL for, you know, the Ignition series, which I think is good and dandy. Uh, I think it's more selective than they probably on the surface are showing, like, oh, we'll, we'll accept Never everyone. Done. Everyone can have a big tournament. They're, they're selective, and they want to have it spread out, right, where they don't want to have Flashpoint and T1 both having a tournament going on at the same time. So I feel like we'll see less, like, month-long tournaments, because they don't want to, you know, bunch up the schedules where it's like, oh, the T1 Ignition Series is on July 4th, and, you know, uh, Flashpoint's running a two-month tournament, so it's kind of, oh, who knows, we can't really figure it out. So I think we'll see a lot of weekend Ignition tournaments, not a lot of more seasonal formats. And for the beginning of it, I'm going to say it seems intriguing. I want to see more regions and more tournaments as we go along. If they become more serious and have a few show matches thrown in into those serious tournaments, I think it'll be a good out, a, a good, a good uh, boost to Valorant. Because I think right now Valorant, if you look at the Twitch stats, has an average of around eighty to sixty thousand viewers, which is amazing. On a monthly total, the only like games that beat that are Fortnite, Warzone, League of Legends, and Counter Strike. And Crucible. So, oh, Crucible is at like twenty <laughs> people right now. It maybe even less than twenty. It has, it has like like five people playing the game right now in the servers. But can I just, uh, wait, can I just interject yeah. and just say one of Tyler's favorite games? Like when we're offline before oh. we start a show, one of Tyler's favorite games is guess how many people are watching Crucible on Twitch right now. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a great game. Well, how many people are playing on Steam? There's two hundred. There's there's currently two hundred and ten people playing Crucible on Steam, <laughs> fellas, and it keeps going down. Amazon. But going back to Valorant, a game that does have sixty thousand, eighty thousand viewers, it's not going to be the Warzone or the League of Legends or the Fortnite that maybe some people were hoping for. But it, I want it to be that game where it has that you know forty to sixty average thousand fans at any given time, and it boosts up like Dota or. Counter-Strike during a big event. And I do think of Riot partnering with these teams where they're going to be able to use the Riot Games channel. And I think that's one of the reasons I don't think people realize this, why there's now Twitch LCS, Twitch LEC. They want the Riot Games channel open so that these Valorant tournaments can take that channel and use it for their ignition series. So you're going to see, so either it's either going to host the G2 channel or the T1 channel, or it will just be officially on the Riot Games channel of these tournaments, which I think is going to be a great boost to get new fans to check out Valorant for the first time. 
So I think that's a little detail that people aren't figuring out is that these teams, you know, getting selected for these tournaments are going to be able to use all the right assets, which is huge for them, especially when Riot Games has one of the biggest channels on Twitch. Yep. I, I don't disagree. I think that, that that's going to be a huge signal boost that because uh, that, that channel has so many followers. It's one of the most followed on all of Twitch. So, I, like, hosting anything on there is going to be a huge deal. And by the way, like the last thing I want to mention on the G2 Esports invitation, I'm looking at the Liquipedia right now. Uh, the broadcast talent, English and Spanish, uh, is incredible. They have a great caster lineup. They have Simo, who did our tournament, Pansy, Puckett, uh, Frankie Ward is hosting, and Ebi is doing the Spanish commentary. Like that's that's lights out. What a what a what a lineup. It, it, if, if nothing else, if nothing else, it's going to be a very well casted. Yeah. Uh, Valorant, Valorant has some really good casters right now, and I do think most observing sucks, and I don't blame the observers for the most part. It's usually the spectator tool. But I want to give a shout-out to the CLG team that's led by Miss Harvey, who I believe Jacob interviewed yes. this, this last week, week yeah, on, on, on this past on week on Nico. She was running the team for the CLG Blitz Cup tournament that happened this previous weekend, and the observing was great. Spectator mode still sucks. It's still terrible, but her team pretty much did the best you could do with the current spectator mode in terms of observing. So if you yeah. are a Valorant host, if you're the developers, if you're someone who wants to run a Valorant tournament, please go talk to Miss Harvey, go watch the CLG vlogs because they were really yeah. good observing, and she obviously has a very long background in CSGO and in FPS in general, so that was really good observing. And I, we talk a lot of trash about observing and the spectator mode, so I want to give a shout-out to someone who is doing with the little they have. They have very little to work with, and they made lemonade out of rocks. So congratulations, yeah. CLG. It was a very fun tournament to watch, very good observing. I hope we can see more of that. What I love the most out of that was the box in box. They did a great job yep. with that. Oh, it was that awesome. Was it was excellent. It, it looked so looked good. Really so, yeah, shout-out to Miss Harvey, who's, who's very, very well-respected in, in all facets of esports. Yeah. So uh, on that note, that's going to do it for us here on the SPN Esports Valorant Show. Uh, so long as there's ignition events, which I imagine will be popping up out of the woodwork as the weeks go by, we're definitely going to be talking about announcements. We're also going to be talking a lot about upcoming tournaments and recapping uh, them as well. This show happens every single Thursday, normally on Twitch as well at 8 p.m. Eastern. You can also find this in podcast form. Wherever you pick up your audio, you can hear us in podcast form every single week here on the ESPN Esports Valorant Show. Uh, for Jacob and Tyler, I'm Marta. Thank you very much for watching or listening. We'll catch you next week.